Lord, as we come to this last part of this heart-to-heart talk that Paul gives the people in, uh, in Thessalonica, and he gives it to us through the Scripture. We know that you inspired him to write these words, and so these words are for us. And we also know, O oh Spirit, that without your illuminating power, that you give us the ability to understand these words. We can't do it apart from you. And so we call upon you today, O oh Spirit, open these words to us, and may they be words of great encouragement. For we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get to this very last section, now remember what Paul's been doing. He's, he's now coming to the end, and it's almost like he's saying, okay, here are all the last things I want to tell you. You've, you've been in a situation like that where you're going to not see somebody for a while or not correspond with them for a while, so you want to tell them all these things that are on your heart. Remember, heart to heart. He wants to say, this is what's on my heart for you. And the very first thing that you notice there is the need that we have for community. Last week, Richard said that we are called to be part, and I love the language he uses, a heart-shaping community. And that's really what the church is to be all about. And so he begins to talk about what is life in this heart-shaping community about. And he starts with the leaders, and he says of the leaders that we are to re- respect those who work hard among us. And one of the things I have so appreciated about this church is to look at the commitment of the elders and deacons that I've been in contact with in this church. It really is amazing to me how committed they are. And I'll tell you, we need to encourage those who lead us. Encourage them. He says respect them and encourage them. But then he moves into our relationships with each other. We urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong. Now listen, we start reading all that, you're like overwhelmed, right? Be kind to everyone. There's some people hard to be kind to. And you mean I'm supposed to get involved in other people's lives? Absolutely. That's part of a heart-shaping community. You see, what happens is that when, we're, when we are called of God to be his children, God puts us in family. And the family is called the church. And in that church, that church is to be a heart-shaping community. We're not just supposed to come here and, and sit down here for one hour and think we get all that we need. No, we're, be, we're called into relationship with each other where we help each other work out the implications of the gospel. Discipleship always takes place in the context of relationships. It always does. We need each other to encourage each other. In fact, in our strategic vision, we talk about developing radical, gospel-driven, personal relationships. Radical. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying we have to get involved in each other's lives. You know, for the longest period in my life, I haven't been a preacher all this time. You know, you folks sometimes look at us preachers like we're something else. I'm telling you, we're a mess. We really are. And I can remember you always put on, I, I never sort of want it really to be open And I try to just keep it very, until I went through a major depression in my life. When I went through a major depression in my life, and literally God brought me to my knees. And all of a sudden, I found out 
that I could be open with people. And I'll never forget the first Sunday that I went back in my pulpit after having been out six weeks, and I told this story of me going through this and how difficult it had been for me. And I began to be open and transparent with our congregation. I cannot tell you, my ministry changed. People want real. They want real. And you see, because we all know that life is a struggle, isn't it? And we all know that we're failures. We're all failures at times. We all have regrets at times. And what God does is he brings us into this community, into this family where we can help each other and we can encourage each other. And yes, at times maybe we have to admonish one another. That's the kind of community. And so what Paul is saying, he's encouraging these people. Remember the community that you've been brought into. We need each other. And that's, that's what he's talking about in this passage. We come into that kind of relationship. And then he moves on to say these sort of incredible words, talking about needing each other. He says, be joyful. Let me, let me listen to the way I read this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And maybe you're like me saying, what, Paul? Be joyful always? How in the world can you be joyful always? How can you give thanks in all circumstances? There are things that come along in your life that you don't like. There are things that come along in your life that you wish were different. How can I honestly step back and say, oh, God, thank you for this? Well, let me tell you, the real key here is found in that word joy. Be joyful always. Now, let me tell you, there's a huge, this, is, this is why so many people misunderstand this. There is a huge, huge difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is always based on circumstances. It's always based on circumstances. If you do this for me, you make me happy, right? It's based on circumstances. Joy is something essentially different. Joy is this deep inward work of the Spirit of God. It's not something you can conjure up within yourself. It's not dependent upon your circumstances. It's dependent upon the Spirit. And so we're told that joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit, remember the first one? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We're told here to be kind to everyone. How in the world to get be kind to some people? I'll tell you, you'll never do it in your own strength. But do you realize that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit? See, joy is this deep inward, this deep inward sense that we're okay. Because we're in his presence. And did you realize, here's the amazing thing about joy. Did you realize that we can even have joy during our times of sorrow? In fact, James puts it this way. Consider it pure joy. Listen to those words. Consider it pure joy. James, this is James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face various kinds of trials. Now, how do you consider pure joy when you face trials? Read on. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, 
and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying that you can have that kind of joy even in the midst of your trials because God has something greater in mind for you and he is using those trials in your life for a purpose. And I will promise you this, it is so true. Some of the greatest times of my spiritual growth have been through times of deep trial. When I was in the middle of it, I sure didn't like it. But I'll tell you, when you come out of it, and there is this incredible sense that you have been held in the hands of the living God, and he has taken you through. In the middle of it, you can find this deep, inward joy and so how do we find this joy what is the real secret of finding this joy well here it is you have made known to me the path of life look read it carefully you will fill me with joy where in your presence you remember the song we just sang take time to be holy and that comfort of coming into the presence of the living God you see, here's the problem. When we focus on the circumstances of life, they will overwhelm us at some point. I know some of you here in this church, I know that you have been through some things that are absolutely overwhelming in your life. You see, the only way that you're going to find it is to flee under his wings. And when you flee under his wings and you begin to see him, here's what, here's what real joy is. Joy is coming into his presence and delighting in God for who God is. And here's what I would say to you. You come into his presence and you begin to fix your eyes on him. Look at Jesus. See, I'm going to make a choice of either looking at my circumstances. And if I focus on my circumstances, it's going to pull me down. That's what happened to me. To the point of severe depression. But when you begin to turn from those circumstances and you begin to look at the Lord and see Jesus... And you remember how much he loves you and what he's done for you. I just ask you to picture that for a minute in your, in your mind's eye right now. Think of what he's done for you. He went to the cross for you. And there on the cross, he took all of your failures, all of those regrets, all that shame of your life. He took it upon himself so that you don't have to bear it any longer. You don't think he loves you? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You don't think he loves you? And when you begin to take that time and you come into his presence, it says, you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You're going to find a sweetness that you haven't known before in the presence of God. As you begin to delight in him and begin to see him, as he truly is. And that's why he says, pray continually. You know, I read this and I'm thinking, what, what, 
What in the world does that mean? Pray continually. I think it means this. That we keep a mental attitude of prayerfulness. In other words, that we remember that we're in constant fellowship with God always. We don't always feel that, right? We don't always feel close to God. But you know where the problem is? It's not with God because God doesn't move. He's always there. It's being aware of his presence in your life and being absolutely open that you can communicate with him and commune with him any time that you want to. And it's when we pray that we're brought into that intimate fellowship with God. It's when we pray that we experience him in deeper ways. We're able to tell him how much we delight in him. We cast all of our cares upon him. And we know that he cares for us. You see, that's pray. That's what it means. I love the, I love so many of Fanny Crosby's old hymns. She had a way of just saying it in a heartfelt way. And in one of her hymns, Draw Me Nearer, she writes these words. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend to friend. You see it? He's your friend. Jesus is your friend. And we come to that point where we can come into him and we see him as that friend who sticks closer than a brother, who would never, ever leave us, that one who wants the best for us. And we come into his presence and we experience him. We experience him. I think of David, that one thing of, of David. Remember he had the one thing in Psalm 27. And he said... Uh, he said, this one thing I ask of the Lord, and that's what I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. In other words, that I'd experience his presence all the days of my life. And he adds these words, to gaze upon his beauty. Here's what I ask you to do right now. Look at the beauty of Jesus. Look at his beauty. Look at his glory. When I do that, everything changes. Everything changes. I can be all worked up. 73rd Psalm, he was this way. He's all envious of all of these people. It says, until I came into the sanctuary of God and I got my perspective right. And it's then that we can give thanks in all circumstances. Because we realize that God is using whatever these things are in our lives, that he is using them, and that we can trust him fully and be assured that he will give us what we need to face any kind of trial. We know that God uses whatever. You, look, Romans eight twenty eight. God causes all things to work together for those who love him. And I can stake my life on that that he has this great purpose in mind. And even in the midst of those circumstances, we don't understand. 
And yet I can know this. God, I can give you thanks because I know that you're doing something even though I don't understand it. I know you're working in my life. Because he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When those trials and pains and difficulties come, you do not have to be shaken by them. And I'll tell you why. I've set the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Let me tell you something. If I look at the circumstances, you better believe I'm going to be shaken. And particularly some of the circumstances that we face in life. Things that seem impossible, overwhelming. But when the Lord is at my right hand, I won't be shaken. But let me tell you, it even gets better than that. Not only is he at our right hand, but the Holy Spirit lives in us. Do you realize that you're never alone? And the Spirit is in you. See, Paul's giving these comforting words to these people. And he says, look, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Let me tell you what the Spirit does. The Spirit comes into your life, and you do realize that once you become a Christian, immediately at that point, the Spirit comes to live in you. Do you understand that that means you are never, ever, 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 ever alone? That he's there. And what does the Spirit do? He comforts us. He's called the comforter. What does the Spirit do? He convicts us at times. What does the Spirit do? It's ultimately the Spirit that gives us assurance that we're God's children, that we've been adopted into his family. The Spirit testifies to our spirits. Do not put out the Spirit's fire in your life. You know, we don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. But what does it mean to put out his fire? It means that we forget he's there and that we're not listening to his promptings. See, sometimes he speaks in a still, small voice and not in an earthquake or fire or whatever. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. And we can never disassociate listening to the Spirit from listening to what God's Word gives to us. Because it's the Word of God, it's the Word of God that brings us. And look, this is why Paul says, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Well, where do we know what God has freely given us? You know where it is? It's in the Scripture. And so he goes on to say, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. Now, what does he mean, don't, don't treat prophecies with contempt? It simply means this, don't ignore what the Scripture says in your life. So here's, look, let me try to pull this. We want joy in our lives. And with that joy to be thankful in everything, 
But ultimately, joy and gratitude are connected with the Spirit's presence, with God's Word, and with prayer. You have to appropriate the means of grace. You have the Spirit, and we have the Word, and God gives us this privilege of prayer. And when we go there, that is the pathway to ultimate joy and gratitude is spending time with him. You will never grow apart from spending time with him in his word and listening to him as he speaks. Well, we get to the very end, and it even gets better because now at the very end, he's going to talk about the God of peace, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, the faithfulness of God, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he says. May God himself, the God of peace. Do you hear that this morning? He is the God of peace. He brings peace to us. In the middle of all of our turmoil, in the middle of all of our turmoil, the God of peace comes to us and he brings peace. And I think about that peace is the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A verse that I have so often gone to in my life when I lack peace is this verse from Isaiah. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts you. You see, the way to joy is to come into his presence where we find it. And the way to peace is to come to that place in your life where you trust him because he is God and he's good and he knows what's best for you. And when I go there and I know that, I know I'm going to be okay. And then, look, here's the ending. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. We never have to question the faithfulness of God. God's faithfulness is never based on our faithfulness to him. He's faithful even when we're not. The one who calls you is faithful. Are you beginning to see this? Here's what he said. Talk about encouragement. We have the God of peace with us. We have the sanctifying work of the Spirit who's in us. We have the faithfulness of God who's never going to forsake us and who's going to do what he says. And then he ends with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that rests on us. I don't know about you, but this encourages me because I know that life can be hard. But there is our Savior And he is faithful. 
great is his faithfulness. It was the weeping prophet Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations who said, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And my soul was downcast within me. He was focusing on the circumstances. But then listen to him. You hear? I remember my affliction, my wanderings. He was focusing on the circumstances. But then what does he say? Yet, this I will call to mind, and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We're not consumed. Do you see what he did? All of a sudden he lifted his eyes. Remember they were in captivity? He lifted his eyes up that, and he began to see the great love that God had for him. And this is what he said. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great, great is your faithfulness. That's our God. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for these incredibly encouraging words. That you're the God of peace that you're working in us with your sanctifying power and that you're faithful. You're faithful. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. God, I know that in this room there are people who are going through overwhelming times of difficulties. Some who've lost hope. I pray this morning that that ray of hope comes. Is like Jeremiah, they're able to lift their eyes off these circumstances and see you and all of your love and all of your beauty. And as we begin to delight in you, we get a different perspective. Oh God, we need this. We need it. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. For we make this prayer in your precious, in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.